are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on January 27th of 2022. Today, we're going to be bringing you the results of the Hall of Fame ballots that were just announced a couple days ago, um, some more collective bargaining um, you know, meetings that had happened this past week, and then we'll bring you the AL East division breakdown. But before we jump into uh, to all that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Um, just uh, hanging out and uh, enjoying uh, enjoying life. Um, just uh, been enjoying my watching some football, basketball this week, and uh, not trying not to get worked up over the off season and the uh, you know the all the players and owner stuff that's heating up a little bit again and. Uh, which is a good thing that it's heating up again. They're at least talking now. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, everything's going great. How about yourself? It's going pretty well. You know, just watched the uh, the postseason games uh, for NFL this past weekend, and actually got to meet Albert Pujols about a week ago. So that was pretty exciting. Had a little meet and greet, and uh, he came and spoke at a you know an event fundraising event we had here. Um, so it was pretty cool to to be able to meet you know a future Hall of Famer and take a picture with him and and shake his hand. So that's pretty cool. Um, but you know, just other than that, just you know, waiting through this off season, like you said, it's good that we're getting the uh, the CBA talks again, we'll, which we'll get into, and the the Hall of Fame ballot, which was kind of disappointing in my eyes. But you know, outside of that, life is life is pretty well. So let's uh let's jump into to this Hall of Fame talk. Um, you know, a part of that ballot, we gave you guys a couple weeks ago, we both elected, you know, 10 people in our eyes that we thought would make it. Well, the, uh, the baseball writers association only elected one person to the hall of fame in the 2022 ballot. And that was David Ortiz who made it with 77.9% of the votes. Um, and that basically means that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling, who were the three biggest ones in their final year fall off the ballot. Bonds ended up with 66%, Clemens ended with 65.2, and Schilling ended with 58.6. Yeah, so um, definitely interesting. Um, You know, I I think that we both had David Ortiz as a guy who was probably going to be, you know, Hall of Fame worthy in our eyes, but uh, he probably would have been my seventh or eighth pick on this ballot um, out of, you know, for the Hall of Fame, but um, definitely an interesting result. He ended up with just 78%, so he barely, barely made it in. Um, I think you needed about 300 votes. Is that correct? To, yeah, to make it right in. around there, yeah. Yeah, and he had 307 votes, so um, very close, but he did make it in. Um, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I mean, you know, as we discussed, um, you know, last week or week before, whatever we did our ballot, our mock ballots, uh, you know, I, I believe that he – both of those guys should have been put in, but um, you know it is it is still you know controversial and, and a question mark for me, and I think that's why you see more people say they should be in than not. But uh, you know you have to get to seventy five percent. You can't just get you know more than not. Uh, so you know sixty six percent was a good number. Um, you know I think we I think that was actually a pretty big increase for both of them, but um, you know they didn't quite make it. Um, I have to look at a few guys on the ballot that had good results this year. Uh, Scott Rowland, uh, you know, jumped some votes. He's in his fifth year on the ballot. He's at 63%. Uh, 
uh, Todd Helton, 52%. Um, you know, he's on his fourth year. Andrew Jones jumped up about 10% uh, voting-wise up to 41%. So those are a few guys that are currently on the ballot that you could see maybe get in at some point. Um, you know, some some other guys, um, you know, that missed out. Sammy Sosa missed out, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to believe that he's – um, he's, I feel like he's getting disrespected a little bit in, in, in this is having the same, he has the exact same tie to steroids that David Ortiz had and Sammy Sosa is a much better player. So I, I really don't understand the, the hate for Sammy Sosa where, you know, David Ortiz gets 78% of the vote. Obviously David Ortiz has the world series rings, but I feel it's just more like the fact that he played in Boston, you know? Um, but, um, you know, we have a few guys that, that made, made the ballot for next year that were borderline. Mark Burley made it, Corey Hunter made it, Bobby Abreu made it, Jimmy Rollins made it. Uh, so there's a few guys that, that made it onto next year's ballot. So, uh, in fact, Bobby Abreu is a guy that I had, you know, I would have voted for. So, uh, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting result. Um, you know, guys that missed out, Joe Nathan missed out on the ballot. Uh, Tim Hudson missed it. Um. I don't really understand too, why too many people voted for Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard. Uh, those were kind of weird people to vote for, but uh, Prince Fielder and AJ Pierzynski as well got votes, but they did, they did not make it back for next year. So uh, it's interesting, uh, interesting results. I, I hate that, you know, the results turned out the way they did. I, I think that, you know, that was pretty, you know, the voting's been pretty weird and unfair. And and the one thing that I'll be interested looking at going forward is, um, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens ended up at about 65%. And I want to see where A-Rod ends up because he's in his first year on the ballot. He's at 34%. So I want to see where he ends up eventually um, as being kind of in that same category. But it'll be interesting to look at. Yeah, and so basically what's next for Bonds and Clemens is that they're going to go um... – and everyone else that fell off the ballot this year, they're going to go to the Modern Era Committee, um, which I believe they have to narrow down their list of 10 names. Um, and I believe it's until next year uh, that they have to do that. Uh, and then they have the potential that once they get on that, I think they have to get 16 votes on that committee um, to, to potentially get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we've seen those the, uh, we've seen them elect people in over the past couple of years. So that's kind of what's next for Bonds and Clemens and Hopefully they get the look, but it, it doesn't sound like it's too encouraging for them. But, you know, glad Ortiz did make it. I mean, you said he probably would have been your seventh or eighth guy on the ballot. He probably would have been fourth or fifth for me. But it, it does seem that there is a lot of the, like, he was a nice guy to the medium, played in Boston bias. Um, it just, it, and that's going to be a product of, you know, w when you have the Baseball Writers Association, if you have a guy who's not nice to the media, doesn't like giving them information and plays in a, a smaller market or whatever, they're not going to get as much love. So it's just one of the unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances that, you know, is a part of this style of voting or whatever. But yeah. And, and one, one other thing to, to point out here is that, you know, some of these guys that missed out, I don't really feel that bad for them because. Right. You know, like Barry Bonds, Roger Clements, because they these guys were known as people who were not good in clubhouses. They didn't act the way they should act on and off the field, that kind of thing. Like they should be in the Hall of Fame for, for their baseball careers, but I don't really feel all that bad for them. So just just put just throw that out there. Like I think that they probably lost some votes from I think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and, and Kurt Schilling too. Kurt Schilling would be in absolutely if it wasn't for off the you know his attitude toward the media and stuff. Right. But the other two guys, I mean, that they probably are in. 
I think they get those last nine, ten percent of the votes if they didn't act the way they did off the off the field and toward the media. So you have to kiss the media's ass sometimes to get in these popularity contests. And David Ortiz, for a long time, did, and that's why I that's why I think A Rod eventually gets in because he's tried to become a Mister Nice Guy and, and kissing he's kissing butts everywhere now in the media. Whereas, you know, he was probably the most hated player in the game for the his last ten years of his career. So. It's going to be interesting to see for sure moving forward how that uh how that is affected or whatever. But let's move on to the uh to the MLB players and the union getting ready or talking again this week. Uh, we got news that they were going to meet on Monday. Uh, they had a I think it was a three or four hour conversation on Monday, uh, and then they actually again met on Tuesday for another hour. Uh, it was this time was the players making the offer to the union, uh, and the players made some concessions on their offer. Um, dropping their age-based free agency that they wanted and kind of staying with the the six-year control deal. Um, and then a, a step back from how much revenue sharing was re- um, was shared between teams. You know, they wanted to drop that by $100 million. Uh, and they ended up in this proposal dropping that to about $30 million. Um, so a drop, uh, they were asking, you know, a drop of $70 million pretty much. Um, the owners made a counter. But that didn't seem to change much, and then they actually threatened that you know that they're willing to lose games over this, um, and the owners are pretty steadfast that they don't want to talk about revenue sharing that that needs to stay the same, um, you know, with how the current system is. They did offer at least a uh, a uh, like a draft or not draft pick, but a uh, age based or not age based, but a war system for a pre arbitration or first two years of arbitration players, um, and they only wanted like to for a 10 million dollars or something the players wanted a hundred million dollars in that pool yeah so the these are some interesting moves um that that whole age uh, uh, war-based uh system for pre-arb players I, I really think that's a place where they're gonna eventually come together on because i think that they were just both sides were just kind of throwing out a number that was probably not gonna happen but the fact that mlb acknowledged that and you know, even put it in their offer, although the number was really low for it. Uh, I think that is a pretty big deal. Um, and I think they'll eventually negotiate that to, to a place that they like. So that's the kind of thing that, that they really are making some progress because those are, that's something that I don't really think MLB probably was even had on their radar before recently. So, uh, at least there's some progress there. I know that's something the players really, really want. Um, you know, when it comes to the minimum salary, um, you know, I know that the players wanted a lot more than the – I don't really think it's an outlandish ask, but they'll probably come to an agreement. But they're at least throwing out numbers now, and there's at least some negotiations going on rather than just saying, oh, well, we're not going to increase salary. Or, we're, or you know, you better – do away with pre-arb or, or something i mean i know neither one of those actually happened but just in general like there's at least some negotiation going on and some some talks and there seems to be you know at least more optimism than there was last week like that's kind of the thing I, i've heard you know you've seen some things out there where they're a little bit optimistic about things compared to what they had been although you know it still doesn't look great um you know that's kind of the important thing to me so yeah, and from from some other things that you know I've read around, and and I don't know how you know actual hard concrete it is, but it it seems like people are under the impression that this is going to pretty much go until maybe delay spring training by two weeks. 
Um, and if that's the case, then we won't really lose many you know regular season games. Um, it would just be a shortened spring training, which I don't think you know spring training doesn't need to be as long as it really is anyways. So you know it, it, the sense is that probably once spring training the the dates for that actually start, then that's when things will really pick up and and hash things out. They have met or talked again about lower. Um, you know, not the core economic issues again, trying to just iron some of that out. So once the big things are, you know, in place, then they, things will move a lot faster, uh, which is a good sign. You know, the MLB does feel that they have like an open path to negotiate with the, you know, the NBA style lottery for like the top eight pick or top eight worst teams or something. That's that's something that they really want for some reason. I don't understand why. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the bonus pool stuff is other things that they feel that they uh, you know have an open thing to talk about so it's going to be interesting we don't know when the next current meeting is but we didn't really know this meeting was going to happen until i believe it was like sunday night or monday morning even that it was announced that they were going to meet so um you know there's there's small groups that are meeting so it can happen relatively quick without uh, many people knowing so hopefully they get some more you know uh talk set up and things start moving a little quicker yeah, no doubt. I think, uh, you know, it's looking a lot better than it did last week, and that's a good sign. Hopefully it continues in that direction. Absolutely. So let's jump over to our uh, to the ALA East division breakdown, and, uh, you know, we'll start with the Tampa Bay Rays, who ended the season at 160, or 100 wins and 62 losses. Um, you know, you look at the people that they ended up losing. They lost Michael Waka, Colin McHugh, uh, David Robertson, Chris Archer, Chaz Rowe, Nelson Cruz, um, and Joey Wendell. Yeah. So, um, you know, you look at this, um, this group, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously last year they were really good on a hundred games, won the best division in baseball, probably they lost the division series to the Red Sox. Um, but you know, yeah, th those losses don't really hurt that bad. McHugh hurts a little bit as a solid reliever. Robertson as well hurts a little bit. Uh, Chaz Rowe is a pretty good reliever. Honestly, the you know Waka was just kind of okay. Archer, you know, not really what he used to be. Um, Nelson Cruz sounds like a big loss, but he really wasn't all that good when he after he got traded to Tampa. He put up most of his numbers in um, you know when he was with the Twins still. And then Joey Wendell also got traded. Um, so he he's a former All-Star, so it's kind of worth mentioning, although he didn't really have a spot on the team. Um, they did add uh, Corey Kluber, which I guess is kind of like the Walker replacement. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy, he'll probably be a pretty decent pitcher for them. Uh, but, you know, health is a concern, uh, obviously, for him. And Brooks Raley uh, was, seemed to be pretty decent with the Astros last year. So, uh, you know, that's a nice bullpen piece. We all know how the Rays uh, succeed with their – with any bullpen piece that goes there. So uh, we'll look out for Brooks Raley next year. Um, but, you know, for my overview for them coming into, you know, 2022, uh, I think they're definitely still a contender. Um, I do think they could use a little bit of pitching depth. Um, you know, it looks like Tyler Glass now is still going to be out. Um, you know, they have McClanahan and, and Patino, two young guys, uh, along with Shane Bass, uh, that are going to be, you know, starting for them in their rotation. Um, you know, Yanni Chirinos is coming back this year, and then Ryan Yarborough is their, kind of their other guy. But, uh, you know, you got five pitchers there, but all of them have major question marks, whether it's youth, you know, being really their first, you know, McClanahan, I think is probably their most, um, you know, 
likely to be a stud pitcher next year. But, you know, Shane Baz is going to be his first year in the big leagues. Um, you know, Patino came out of the bullpen a lot last year. He's been a little inconsistent. Uh, and then the other two guys, you know, Chirinos has battled injuries, you know, a lot. And, uh, you know, Yarborough's kind of more of a back end of the rotation arm. So they could maybe use another mid-rotation mid arm. Of course, with the way that the Rays play their matchups and use their opener strategy, they probably don't need quite as much starting depth as, as some teams do. So um, definitely uh, definitely a team that looks like they're probably going to reload for next year. It sucks that Tyler Glass now is not going to be available, but um, – you know, the lineup for them is, is looking pretty good. You know, Wander Franco is going to have a full year, which we're excited about. Um, you know, they've also got, you know, Taylor Walls and, and Fidal Brujan uh, possibly being up there next year, um, you know, if, after a little cup of coffee this year. And, you know, Brandon Lau is probably the most underrated player in the game. So, um, you know, definitely a, definitely a really good team and, and a tough out for the AL East this year and, and maybe the favorite going next, going into the season. So. Yeah, and the Rays just find a way to to be competitive all the time. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one of these starters that are in their system right now that we're not talking about comes out and is you know a big piece for them this year somehow. And and another thing I wouldn't be completely shocked if the Rays do this year is is trade Tyler Glass now. Um, you know, there will be teams that want to still trade for him even though he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. It sucks that he waited. You know, he was trying to make it back for the playoffs, so he waited so long. He didn't really get it until the end of August or the beginning of August. Sorry, um, the Tommy John surgery. So he's probably out all of this year. No, no matter what, uh, you know, but I don't think I think there will be a team maybe even around the trade deadline um, that might look just to, you know, if the Rays are looking to improve that get glass now in, get them in their system, um, you know, while he's doing that final step of rehab and then through the offseason um, with their team, that would be something interesting um, to, to see. But, you know, a depth starter maybe, yeah. but overall their lineup, I mean, I think their lineup's really solid. Their bench, you know, they have the young guys in Bruhan and Walls on the bench right now that could become potential starters for them. You know, maybe Kevin Kiermeyer's a guy that they end up moving off of as well. But, I mean, overall this team just looks so good still that I don't really see much of their production dropping. Yeah, and, and one one other thing to mention on the Taylor Glass now situation is that he got injured right after the sticky stuff cracked down, and it seemed to affect his spin rates a pretty good bit. So you know he probably hasn't quite gotten the. Of, of course, the teams are going to look at spin rates and, and those metrics because they got access to them. But uh, you you probably he probably could be a little bit of a question mark, and the Rays might move on to him if they don't believe that 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 his you know he's going to be quite as effective without that spin rate. Um, as he was before the crackdown, because he, he he did lose over 100 RPMs off his off his fastball spin and stuff, which is a big deal for him. So uh, definitely one more thing to look at in a potential trade. It could signify that the Rays believe that you know he's going to be a pretty big victim of spin rate. Yeah, that is something to, to think about as well. Because I mean, he do, it was just what two or three starts after that that he he ended up going down. So something uh, something to watch for. But let's go ahead and jump over to the the team that uh, finished second or third in the division. Their standings are a little weird. Technically, Boston hosted the wild card game, but for some reason, the the standings have New York in second. So we're just going to run with the standings have. Um, so the New York Yankees uh, finished with ninety two and seventy for their record, eight games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, if you look at who they ended up losing, they have lost Darren O'Day, Brett Gardner, um, Andrew Heaney, Anthony Rizzo. Corey Kluber, Clint Frazier, uh, Rugnet Odor, and then if if you're looking at their ads, they really haven't added much. They re-signed Jolie Rodriguez and then Jose Peraza to a uh, to a minor league deal. 
yeah, so the Yankees are a team that, um, you know, they were good last year. They had their issues at times. Uh, I don't really think that their issues were super, um, super crazy, but uh, they had a little bit of bad luck, played in a real tough division. Those losses, for the most part, probably don't hurt that much. You know, O'Day, uh, you know, wasn't all that good. I think he signed a minor league deal with the Braves. Um, you know, Andrew Haney, um, I forgot where he ended up at, but Dodgers. Um, Dodgers, that's right. He he wasn't he wasn't very good for them last year. You know, he was a midseason acquisition, anyways, along with Rizzo, who was good for them. But um, you know, they'll definitely they definitely got options at first base if they don't aren't able to bring back Rizzo. Uh, with Luke Voigt still there, uh, Kluber, you know, spent a lot of the year injured. Clint Frazier uh, signed with the Cubs, so you know, losing him, he battled injuries for most of his career. wasn't very good last year. Odor's really more of a Truly a stopgap player, someone who's just kind of filling in for injuries. Uh, so, and Brett Gardner, obviously, you know, 38 years old, kind of at the end of his career. I wouldn't be shocked to see them bring him back on a real cheap one-year deal for, you know, maybe maybe a final final hurrah for him. But, um, you know, their ads, they haven't really added anything major yet. Um, so, uh, you know, like you said, Peraza, um, he'll probably be a good bench player to have, but he's got some speed and some versatility. Uh, and, and that strike out a lot. But um, other than that, you know, they haven't really added anything. Yoli Rodriguez, they re-signed. But uh, I definitely look for them in the second signing period uh, or, you know, a post-lockout to look for um, maybe an everyday outfielder. Uh, I don't know who all is out there left that, you know, really fits them. Um, I know that there's a couple of, you know, corner outfielders out there like, like Conforto or somebody. But, um you know, I don't really think that's going to be the type of outfielder they need. I think they need somebody who, who's really capable of playing center and, and probably an infield bat too. Right now, um, you know, they got Gio Urshela playing shortstop. So, uh, you know, you'd like to see him get bumped back over to third and then maybe sign one of the shortstops. I know Trevor Story's available. They Everyone says Carlos Correa, um, you know, isn't going to be a, a Yankee, but, you know, he's still out there. So maybe they change things, um, change their mind on that and, uh, definitely interesting stuff. Um, you know, they've got that great core. They got Judge Stanton. Um, you know, I, I think they can use a bounce back maybe from from you know Gary Sanchez, maybe stepping it up behind the plate a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe a bounce back from DJ LeMahieu who who struggled last year. Um, you know, there's some pieces there that could that could use bounce backs, but I really don't think this team's that bad. And they're starting pitching. And bullpen really being the big thing. The bullpen is really good still. So uh, definitely a contender. Um, they probably could use some more pieces. I wouldn't, as currently constructed, I wouldn't call them the favorite right now in the division. But uh, they're still a pretty good team. So uh, definitely, definitely a you know a team to watch in that second period of being able to sign players before the season starts after the lockout ends. Yeah, I mean it, you know some sort of a. a veteran shortstop probably more of a defensive minded if if they don't get you know a, a story i i don't think that correa is going to be there it just doesn't seem like it, the right fit for them i mean overall it just doesn't it doesn't fit in my eyes but you know if they don't get a guy a story a guy like simmons and drilton simmons would be decent there just as a more of a defensive minded guy um you know, if you you do look at their rotation, it's going to be interesting because you got Severino coming back. I mean, he pitched six innings last year. How much? How many innings is he going to be able to give you? Um, Nestor Cortez is a guy who they've transitioned from being more of a you know long man out of the bullpen to a full time starter now. Uh, what are you going to get from Domingo Herman, who was not very great last year? 
Um, you know, Tyon's going to come back. Uh, and then you got the younger guys. You got the, uh, you know, you got Clark Schmidt, Debbie Garcia, Luis Gill. Those guys are going to have to step up. But uh, you mentioned missing you know, the two best ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, Cole mentioning, and I'm, Montgomery. Not, <laughs> I'm not mentioning Cole Montgomery because yeah, you kind of know what you're getting from yeah, those. Yeah, I know. I know. These are the, uh, the more yeah. of the question marks around it. Um, but, you know, I, I, one thing I did miss when we were going through that is that they did bring in um, Ender Inciarte on a minor league deal as well. Um, so that's a guy who could potentially play, you know, some backup center fielder for them. But, uh, you know, it's not something that makes you very excited about it. You know, you just can't trust Aaron Hicks to stay healthy. Really, that's that's going to be the whole issue. Uh, you know, he had 126 plate appearances last year. He just has never been able to stay healthy. You could easily probably slide Gallo to center if you needed to, but that's not all that inspiring either. Um, so, you know, definitely it, it would be tough. I don't think right now, like you said, I don't think they're the favorite, but they have the potential to be um, with not too many big moves that they need to make. Um, you know, just getting getting uh, you know a decent shortstop and probably an outfielder. But yeah, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned. Um you know, Ender Inciarte, and I will say that last year, uh, before he started battling injuries again, he actually looked a little bit better last year at the very beginning of the year. Um, you know, I was watching him every day but since he was with the Braves, uh, and he, um, you know, he just dealt with tons of injuries, you know, the last few years, just those nagging injuries. He hadn't had like a, a severe, like a, a torn ACL or a, you know, a Tommy John or a hamate bone or something that's like a long term, but he's just dealt with constant like hamstring pulls, quad pulls, you know, oblique strains, all the, all kinds of stuff like that, that, you know, if maybe if he stays healthy, he could give them some contribution in center field. So uh, we'll see if that's a possibility, but you know, I don't think you can count on Hicks out there either. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Yeah. And another thing I just wanted to mention as well for the shortstop, if they don't, they don't need to get one of those big ones because they do have a guy of Oswald Peraza, um, who they're pretty high on, who was in trip, he made it up to AAA last year, um, and he's pretty much. I mean, he has two more option years, but um, you know, going into his age twenty two season this year, uh, he's a guy that they could probably give a you know if they sign him like a stopgap guy, they could give him a run uh, later on as well. So. Something to look out for. Um, you know, the Yankees are always going to make the moves that they need to. Brian Cashman's pretty aggressive when he knows that he needs to be. So look for them to be aggressive once the lockout ends. But we'll jump over to uh, to the Boston Red Sox, who finished with the same record, 92-70, eight games back. Um, you know, you look at their losses. They lost Hunter Renfro in the trade to Milwaukee. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Garrett Richards, uh, Martin Perez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Hansel Robles, uh, Travis Shaw and Adam Ottavino. Uh, and then if you look at their ads, they added Jackie Bradley Jr. back in that Hunter Renfro trade. Um, they added Michael Waka, who we talked about earlier, James Paxton, who will be out for the entire year. Um, and then they added Rich Hill. Yeah. So, um, you know, last year, a lot of people missed the mark with this team. Um, and I look at the, the Red Sox as I look at them similar to how a lot of people were looking at them last year before the season, because I mean, those losses, I mean, you know, Schorber came on, you know, at the trade deadline, did really well. Uh, Hunter Renfro was a great piece for them last year. Um, you know, you look at some of those pitchers, Eduardo Rodriguez has been there a long time, was a really successful pitcher there. You know, guys like Martin Perez and Garrett Richards didn't do so well, you know, last year. But, uh, you know, they lost some some key pieces of their bullpen, too. 
um, you know, adding back Jackie Bradley Jr., Waka, um, you know, and, and Rich Hill. Rich Hill will probably do decent for them, um, you know, but he's also like over 40 years old and, you know, Waka's not really all that good anymore. And uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, I, I just wait and see mode with him. If he figures it out, if he has one of those years where he randomly figures it out at the plate to the point of being close to a league average hitter, then he could be a really nice pickup for him. But until that happens, they're not, um, they're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna have much there. So, um, I mean, you look at their core being so good. I mean, I want to talk about real quick while we're talking about that Xander Bogarts. I really think Xander Bogarts eventually could be a potential hall of famer. He's, you know, he's only 28 years old. He's already put up 32 wins above replacement in his career. And over the last four years, he's put up an over 130 WRC plus play in shortstop. And he's not a great defensive shortstop. He's a little under league average, but I mean, he's not a horrible defensive shortstop like some people make him out to be. This dude is good. Like he's one of the best players in the game and he doesn't get near enough credit for it. You know, they all obviously also have, you know, Devers, uh, you know, they've got Verdugo's played really well in, in the outfield. Um, you know, J.D. Martinez is still playing well for them. I like their like their core a lot. Kike Hernandez had that fantastic year last year. Um, I like their core an awful lot, but uh, it al- almost feels like with the amount of needs they have, they're kind of maybe a contender. But honestly, they could maybe even just kind of load up for for twenty twenty th- for twenty twenty three because that's kind of what that Paxton move looks like to me. It looks like they're kind of loading up and saying, okay, we're gonna do some things to try to be pretty good in twenty twenty two, but we want to be like. You know, we want to make the run at the World Series in 2023. That's kind of what it seems like to me with the Red Sox. Because in this division, with the pieces they lost and what they have, what they brought in, I really don't know if they're quite, you know, quite there yet. Unless they have, you know, so a couple of big breakouts like Dahlbeck breaks out big time or Christian Arroyo or, or Jerry Duran or somebody breaks out big time and their bullpen really steps up. Um, I, I don't especially see. You also don't know what you're going to get out of Chris Sell either so um you know i i could see them probably being close to as good as they were last year but probably losing more games than they did yeah it's going to be interesting to see like you said the you know their main core is intact but they're going to need the the younger guys to kind of step up um and then you know in the the bullpen it's pretty decent but it could probably use another lefty um and probably another high leverage guy it just depends on what you feel that you're going to get from you know, Matt Barnes, who was decent this year, but he was, you know, really good in 2020. Um, and, and how much can you trust, you know, what is Brazier going to be what he was in his 12 innings this year or, you know, when he had struggled the, the year before that? Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what they could do in the bullpen. The starters, I mean, it, you know, you have Uvalde, you have Sale, and then after that, I mean, you drop to Pavetta and Waka and Tanner Houck. Um, you know, Hill should be decent for them. He always finds a way to get it done, but like you said, he has 42, or is going to be 42 when the season starts. So they could probably use an outfield bat. You know, like they have Jaron Duran starting in the left, and they have Bob, Bobby Dahl back at first. It's probably a guy that you could find. I mean, Schwarber would probably be a better fit, a good fit right back there. I mean, he was playing a little bit of first for them. He could play outfield as well. Um, you know, just just where they're going to go from there. But it, you know, they're a good enough team if things get lucky this year to make a run, but it does seem like in that 2023 is kind of when that's, uh, you know, it's kind of seeming that things are going to work out for them to make that real big run um, at a world series title. So 
But let's go on to the Toronto Blue Jays, who ended up finishing fourth in this division, going 91 and 71, uh, nine games back of the division, but only missing the wild card by one game. Uh, you look at who they've lost so far this year. They've lost Robbie Ray, uh, Corey Dickerson, Stephen Matz, Marcus Simeon, uh, Gerard Dyson, uh, and Kirby Yates. And who they've added so far, they've added Yimi Garcia on a two-year deal, and then they've added Kevin Gossman. Yeah, I like the Blue Jays coming up for this year. Honestly, as, as it looks right now, they might be my number two team in the division. Um, they, they uh, you know, losing Robbie Ray hurts, but Kevin Gossman's also really good. Um, I do worry a little bit about Gossman kind of being a two-pitch guy, but, um, you know, Robbie Ray could just as easily have completely lost his control um, again. And, uh, you know, they also, you know, remember at the deadline added Jose Barrios and signed him to a long extension. So, um, you know, they, they're going to have a pretty good rotation returning. You know, uh, Alex Manoa showed some promise last year. Um, so, you know, engine reuse back. So they should have a pretty good rotation. Their lineup's just gonna is going to be good. Boba still there. George Springer, hopefully they get a full year from him. Because remember this year, he was hurt for most of the year. And they didn't even really get a full year from him. Uh, so, that, so that should really be an upgrade. Uh, you know, they've got Tascar Hernandez, uh, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, um, those guys returning, uh, you know, I think some of their keys, they probably got to figure something out at the catcher position with, you know, the guys they have aren't going anywhere, but they probably need to improve a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe what, what are you going to get from Kevin Biggio? Because he really hasn't been quite what they were hoping he would be since he got up into the big leagues. And, uh, but I mean, this is a team that could be carried by that lineup in, into a contender. And uh, I know losing Marcus Simeon hurts big time. Um, but um, you know, they've got they still got a really good lineup, and and, and I think their bullpen. I mean, I think the rotation's similar. The, really, the area that needs improvement, in my opinion, is the bullpen. Yimi Garcia was a nice add, but they probably need to add at least one or two pieces in that bullpen. Um, you know, last year, you know, not having Kirby Yates after his injuries hurt them a uh, pretty good bit because that was going to be kind of their stalwart in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, they need probably two pieces in the bullpen. And I'd say they probably still do need, a, you know, some kind of infield bat, um, you know, maybe a couple bench bats type thing where they could platoon guys, um, you know, have someone play second base. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with them. I think they're going to be a good team, though, and, and, and a force to be reckoned with this year again. Yeah, to me, it seems like, they need some sort of a left-handed bat. Um, you know, right now, if you're looking at their lineup, the only left-handed bat that's projected to be in it is Kevin Biggio. And he was a guy who they even, you know, sent down to AAA at times or, you know, for a while last year. Um, you know, if you could find that guy to be a second or third baseman and then let Biggio and Espinal kind of platoon the other spot, whatever that may be, um, that would probably be the best bet. Uh, they need, they do need a high leverage bullpen arm, in my opinion. Um, you know, Romano was was good last year. Simber was good after he got o brought over. Um, Gar Gimi Garcia is going to be okay, but I don't think he's really a high leverage guy. Uh, and then you need a lefty as well. You know, Tim Miza right now is a pretty good lefty, but I don't. You know, your other one's Ryan Verucky, and he's just not that great. So you need some sort of another lefty to go in that bullpen. You did mention the catching spot. I don't think they're all that bad off. I mean, Danny Jansen's not great, but you do have Alejandro Kirk there. Um, and then you do have Gabriel Moreno, um, who's in the minors just waiting. He got to AAA last year. He's their number one prospect. 
Um, guy seems like he's going to be an absolute stud. Uh, so I don't think that they're going to make a big move or, or that they should really. I mean, getting rid of probably Jansen and McGuire would be my move and just let Kirk and Moreno take that over because um, both those players, I think, are, are going to be pretty solid. Uh, but you do need you need a, a healthy year from Springer. You know, it, it's not to take lightly that they did lose a guy who finished third in the MVP voting and that they did lose the guy who won the AL Cy Young um, and Robbie Ray. But there's legit questions if Ray was going to be able to keep it up. Gossman is going to be, you know, it was pretty good last year. He tailed off later in the season, but who knows if that was because he was a two pitch guy and people were figuring it out or if it was more just the fatigue of going back from the, uh, the full year, you know, from 2020 back to the full season. Uh, and then, you know, that lineup overall is, you know, is Teoscar going to keep it up? Is Lourdes Guerrero going to be able to be, you know, keep it up? Are you going to be able to get a bounce back from Gritchuk? He was not really good last year at all. Uh, you know, you have 281 on base percentage. Uh, so overall, they, I mean, they're, they have all the pieces to put it together. They could probably use that left-handed infield bat um, and then just some more bullpen arms. But they, they are a team that's well-equipped to, you know, keep making a, a push for this division. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this this honestly might be a team that could use a um, some kind of like a you know major league for major league trade. Uh, maybe move a maybe move a right-handed bat for a left-handed bat or something. Um, yeah. That would be an interesting interesting look for them. And uh, like you said, I mean Gabriel Marino will come up, but you know I don't mean that they need to get rid of the guys they have at catcher because like you said, Gabriel Marino has got some promise, but he is still a prospect. Never pitched in the big league. I mean never uh, never played in the big leagues. So um, you never know what you might get from him. And uh, I think that definitely. Um, you know, for a competitive team, you know, it might be worth it to take a look at a, at a, you know, a guy who is, could, could play right now. I mean, Alejandro Kirk is a, is a fine hitter for the catcher position. He's a good hitter. He can't play defense. Danny Jansen's the opposite good defender. Can't really hit. So um, we'll see what happens though. I, I like this team a lot. Um, you know, maybe some of these young guys like, like Biggio will show some growth. Biggio has a great walk rate. And if he can improve his contact rate just a little bit, uh, you know, he could be a really solid piece of that lineup. And, you know, they, they've got a few guys like that. And uh, we'll see what happens. It'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, it really will be. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the team that finished last in the division. It's going to be a drastic step down in uh, records from the Blue Jays at 91 and 71. We go to the Baltimore Orioles that finished 52 and 110, uh, 48 games back of, this, of the division. Um, you know, sorry, Hank, that if you're listening to this, that, uh, we're going to be bashing on your Orioles real quick. Just turn the episode off. But, uh, you know, the look at who they've lost. They've lost Matt Harvey and Fernando Abad. Uh, and then they've added Jordan Lyles, Rugnet Odor. Uh, and then if, you know, we have been doing team needs and I literally have left it blank because I don't really know where to start, uh, for their team needs. I mean, I guess just growth from their prospects or something. Yeah, um, you know, you look at the Orioles and, um, you know, their losses obviously don't hurt. Um, their ads, I mean, uh, Jordan Lyles is a, is a totally fine ad. He's not great, but, you know, you're a team that's not in contention. Uh, you maybe add a pitcher that isn't completely useless and, um, you know, maybe maybe he can have a decent first half. You can trade him. Um, I mean, he wasn't very good last year, but. You know, you never know. He can eat some innings at, le at the very least. Um, you know, you add a roof net door who, you know, it's pretty well chronicled how not very good he is. But you never know. He has gone through stretches in the past where he was, you know, really good for a month. 
and you know maybe you can have him you know have a really good month and break out for a month and then you know trade him so um definitely pieces that that could be looked at uh roof door actually did improve some of his rates last year so maybe he can you know he was better than last year than he had been the last the two years previous so maybe he maybe he's on an upward trend i don't, I don't know i want to say something nice about the orioles but um <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they there is there is something nice to say about them. They have they've got a really good farm system right now, and uh, you know they're gonna have Grayson Rodriguez in the near somewhat near future. Uh, Adley Rutschman should come up this year, and and they've got some pretty good young pieces still. Uh, Cedric Mullins having that breakout year last year. I want to see how he comes off of that, and if he's the same guys he was last year, or if he's you know one one hit wonder, or if he's somewhere in between. My guess is he's probably closer to last year than one than completely one hit wonder, but he's probably not quite as good as last year. Um, a couple other guys could maybe use bounce backs too. Um, you know, like uh, like a Anthony Santander maybe could use a little bit of bounce back. Uh, you know, they got Trey Mancini and uh, you know that uh, Ryan Mountcastle. A couple guys who Ryan Mountcastle was was really good in his rookie year last year. Definitely has a lot of improvements he could make. Mancini is he gonna be kept around in Baltimore long term or is he gonna be trade bait? You know, we're gonna we'll see. I know that he's very beloved there by their fans in their clubhouse. He he's kind of a little bit like to the Orioles in their rebuild. What Freddie Freeman was to the Braves, what Anthony Rizzo to the was to the Cubs during their rebuilds. They'd like to have him on their next competitive team, but we don't know how long that's gonna be. And um, you know, I think um, definitely you look at the. Um, look at the Orioles as, you know, I think that last year was probably rock bottom for them. I don't know if the record's going to be much better this year, but there's definitely more interesting reasons to watch them. You know, Adley Rutschman's going to be a reason to watch them a little bit and, and keep an eye on them. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a little bit interesting to watch if he's, if he comes up this year. Uh, DL Hall is another guy in their, in their, um, you know, in their farm system that could come up in the, in the next year or two and, and could be pretty good. So, um, you know, and they've got a lot of younger guys too that that are that are really good. So Gunnar Henderson's a guy that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. That's kind of their lower minors, but uh, this is a team that I I really think is closer to turning the corner than they were. I would rather be in their let me let me put it a different way. I'd rather be in their position than I'd be in the in the Oakland A's position right now. You know, as a team that you know at least their farm system's kind of been built up some now. Whereas, you know, you look at the A's farm system is, is bad. Their team isn't very good. They're about to have to drop their payroll. The Orioles are in the opposite situation. Their team is bad right now, but, you know, they've at least got some reasons to believe that they could be good in the not so dis. There's, there's, there's going to be reasons to believe and, and to hope there soon. So um, definitely, um, you know, definitely a team that I'm going to be a little bit more inclined to watch a tiny bit this year than I was last year, but. Adley Rutschman will be fun. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, Adley Rutschman will be fun. Um, you know, it, it will be interesting to see if Mullins could keep that up uh, from last year. You know, it, the big thing for him was that he had been a switch hitter his entire career um, and life, and, and then just became a left-handed hitter last year. And that's kind of when the breakout happened. Uh, so is that something he could keep up? Um, you know, Mancini, Santander needs to bounce back. Uh, Mountcastle was good. How much can he improve? Um, you know, what do you get from Rutschman this year? You know, John Means, who's battled a little bit and was, you know, a little bit worse after the sticky stuff thing. What can he get you? Uh, is there a potential trade there? I mean, there's been talk that he could be traded for a couple years. 
Uh, but but like you said, their farm system is well stacked up. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez, Grayson or uh, DL Hall, Colton Kowser, Gunnar Henderson, um, Heston Kierstad that they just drafted this year is he looks pretty good as well. So, you know, they are a team that it, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, probably not the year after that. But you know, you're looking three three to four years ahead and they're a team that would you know has a chance to be pretty interesting but you just need to see what the young guys have and, and just let them keep developing um you know and signing guys like jordan lyles and odor who you could potentially flip for you know whatever it is at the deadline um you know i guess it's better than having matt harvey and fernando abad on your team because those guys are terrible um, yeah absolutely and, and, and i'll say too about them that they're just you know with a lot of these options that they have with, with some of these players um, you know, that, that they could use a guy to break out, you know, kind of like, you know, when, when the Astros are going through their rebuild, they had, you know, Jose Altuve break out into a really good player when he wasn't a high rated prospect. Like they, they could, that's, there's definitely like, they should be giving a lot of time to young guys who aren't really, you know, super high prospects, but they can at least get a look at and see how they improve. Corey Kluber for the, for, for Cleveland wasn't a super high rated prospect, but he, you know, figured it out at the big league level. So there, there's some definite definite interest in, in some of those guys. That's something they need to look at next year. Um, is is some of these young guys who, you know, maybe are you know upper minors guys who give them a shot. You know, you never know. So um, you know, and that, that that'll be a big deal for some of them. Yeah, and even if they're an upper minors guy and that they're you know maybe they don't fit your timeline, they can fit somebody else's, and you can get some other piece that maybe does fit your timeline. Um, so that, that's something. That's kind of the situation the Orioles are in. Um, I guess if you're an Orioles fan, you're probably more interested in their double A AA or triple A teams at the moment. Uh, but you know, hopefully the the future is not too distant future is bright, but it doesn't it doesn't seem too much like it. But you know, that's kind of the AL East division breakdown that we have this year. Um, you know, at the moment at least. Who knows what all this can change once the uh once the lockout ends and, and if you could see a guy like Brian Cashman getting aggressive, um, or you know, Boston getting aggressive and Hein Bloom as well. Uh, it's just going to be interesting because this is a division that could very much, you know, with four teams being so close to each other, um, it could be really affected by once the lock, you know, somebody's stewing right now and then the lockout ends and they finally make that big move because it seems like Toronto's willing to do it, Boston's willing to do it. We know Cashman's willing to do it at any time. Um, you know, and then Tampa's just kind of so good right now, they don't really have to make those moves. So one of the more interesting divisions to really keep an eye out once the lockout really does end. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a division that it's going to be tough again. And, you know, you got four teams that are really looking to be contenders. So, uh, you know, the, they're going to have to make moves here with a limited base of players left, uh, you know, in free agency. And, you know, any one of those players, it's got to be so close at the top, any of these players could really put a team over the top here. So um, definitely going to be a, this, this, there's probably going to be a mad dash in this division. It's there, there really hasn't been all that much movement in this division so far. Um, so it's probably been the, one of the divisions that the, probably the best division in baseball has had the least amount of, you know, big splash signings and player movement. So um, definitely going to be a, uh, you know, definitely pretty wild uh, time in the AL East once that lockout ends. Absolutely. Uh, do you have anything else you want to you want to hit on or, or finish wrap up the show with? Um, just a couple little things. Um, you know, we talked about the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, you know, th- next year's ballot. Um, you know, we just briefly mentioned 
guys that will be available. I know we might have talked about this a tiny bit a couple weeks ago, but since we had time in this episode, uh, I was going to look at you know the, the, the guys that next year that are more likely. Uh, Beltron, Carlos Beltron is going to be on there. He's probably the best player that's going to be on the ballot. Um, Francisco Rodriguez is going to be on the ballot. I, I don't really think he gets in because of, of you know, it's like Joe Nathan's not getting in. Billy Wagner still at 50%. And, you know, uh, Jonathan Papelbon's not getting in. I'll be surprised to see K-Rod get in. Uh, you also might see uh, John Lackey, Jared Weaver, Jacoby Ellsbury, um, you know, a few other guys. Maybe Jason Worth gets on the ballot. Um Ubaldo Jimenez, uh, Carlos Ruiz. Uh, these guys probably won't make it in, but they'll probably be on the ballot. Plus the guys who are returning from from this year. So next year's Hall of Fame ballot will be pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, one other thing that I was going to look at um, is the, um, you know, with the, with the, the A's. I mean, and sorry, that the Rays. There's been a lot of talk about the, the Rays' potential relocation. They kind of axed that two-city idea recently, which I thought was a horrible idea. Um, I don't. You know, a lot of times teams that are really successful, uh, you know, when it comes to the fans and, and, and you know, being able to make a lot of money and everything, um, you know, the, t- uh, the team is really rallied around by the city, um, which, you know, you see that pretty much everywhere that there's a real successful f- sports franchise and trying to split a team between Montreal and Tampa or, or St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay area, um, just seems like that would split a team up and, and the fans wouldn't get attached to a team. You know, I think that I think the Rays need to re- rebuild their stadium in, in a better location, near, actually in Tampa. And, and, and I think that would be, I think that's actually a really good place for them. Uh, I think they'd get a lot better attendance in a, in a, in a better stadium, you know, more in downtown Tampa. I've been to Tampa a few times. It's a really cool place. And the people there are, are absolutely crazy about sports. They support the Buccaneers. They support the Tampa Bay lightning, and they would support the Rays if they were in if they were in Tampa. So, um, you know, I look at that, and uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting topic that I've kind of heard a little bit about the last few weeks that I might want to mention. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of us saw that the, the two place plan being anything feasible. I think it was more of a, a play by the the ownership of the Rays and stuff to really just kickstart, you know, the development, um, you know, trying to find somewhere within the Tampa Bay area or, or, you know, something because the Tropicana field is not a place that the Rays need to be long-term or even, you know, the short-term. I mean, it's not a great facility, um, but they've had struggles with the, uh, with the city and everything, you know, getting plans together and, and agreeing on stuff. So I think it was more of a, a thing just to kickstart. There was a, there was a thought that maybe Montreal would have been a full-time place for them to move to. I mean, that seems does seem to be a hotbed for a team that wants to expand. Um, if if they do want to go or, or move, Montreal is right there near the top of the list, probably with Nashville and like Las Vegas or something. But uh, you know, I, I didn't think that was going to be a, a thing, and it was pretty not shocking once the uh, once Rob Manfred and them actually yeah. nixed that deal. Yeah, and you know, everyone's talking about Montreal, and I mean the Rays. What the Rays want is a new stadium and a place that'll get attendance. And I mean, it's not like Montreal has a new stadium that they're building right now. So, um, you know, you could maybe look at like a place like Nashville or, which I, I doubt Nashville ends up happening. Um, but you could look at a place, a place like that, or, or Las Vegas is probably the one that I, I would think is most likely to be the next expansion. Um, 
if there's an actual expansion. I, I would think the A's would be more likely to move to Las Vegas than than the Rays, just because of you know the Raiders just moved there from Oakland, and um, I think the A's are really more likely to move than the Rays to start with. But um, it would, make, it would think, definitely um, make the divisions a nightmare. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the divisions would uh, you know would have a little bit of a shift because you know baseball is th- that sport that still probably needs to have divisions that are somewhat regional because you just play so many games and travel so much. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I would be I would be shocked if any, if the Rays moved to Montreal. Uh, you know, if they moved somewhere like Nashville or you know, somewhere like that, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but, um, you know, and the A's moving wouldn't shock me either, but I think, uh, I think the Rays eventually do get there. I, I don't think people realize how baseball crazy the state of Florida actually is because they're, and, and that the two franchises there aren't supported very well, not because people aren't interested in major league baseball, but because the ownership in Miami has been an absolute disaster ever since they were, you know, formed. Um, there's actually a few really good YouTube videos on it about the, the, the ownership in Miami. Um, and you look at uh, with the Rays, they just built their stadium in a horrible place. I mean, St. Petersburg, not, not to be mean to St. Petersburg, but, you know, you look at the actual Tampa Metro, you know, it, they have to everyone in Tampa has to drive like through two hours of traffic to get there. So, you know, it's hard for them to, to get there to St. Petersburg. And St. Petersburg's not big enough in its own to support a team. So, I mean, it's like saying that, you know, the Braves are, Bir- are Birmingham, Alabama's team. You know, it takes it takes as long to drive from Birmingham, Alabama, to, to, to as it does to the Braves Stadium, as it does from Tampa to where the Tampa Bay Rays play. So I, th- I think that's a big deal for the Rays. And they would probably be supported extremely well if they were actually in Tampa. But, uh, you know, just uh, just a thought. Uh, that's something that's been in the news just a little bit lately. It's kind of always in the news with, with them and the A's potentially relocating, looking for a stadium, all that kind of thing. But um, there has been some talk about that over the last couple weeks with it being, I guess, probably with it being a little bit of a slow news cycle right now with the lockout and, and everything. But um, definitely something to kind of talk about. So, Yeah, it absolutely is. And something to, to keep an eye out moving forward. Um you know, because if if the plans do continue to fail, then maybe the uh, you know the movement becomes a you know a more possible idea. But uh, you know, as of right now, it, it does make sense if they were to able to move to Tampa, actually, um, outside of Saint Petersburg, because you know the Ray or not the Rays, the Buccaneers and the Lightning do get a lot of support. Um, the teams really do you know get behind them, and and especially when they're good, though they sell out pretty much everything. Uh, we've seen that the last couple of years when with the Buccaneers with how they've turned around since Brady went there. So, but uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. But uh, you know, thank you guys for this. Going to wrap up this episode of the Batflip Podcast. Just thank you guys for for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.